And I remember watching this documentary and uh, the, the, the fellow was talking about uh, aspartame and how aspartame can essentially, I'm going to butcher this, but essentially um, cause neurological side effects that mimic MS. And that I remember was my very big light bulb moment um, because my mother, ever since I could remember, always had a Diet Coke in her hand. She used to drink about two liters of Diet Coke every single day. And I remember, I remember this so profoundly. I ran upstairs and there were probably curse words involved, but I was like, you are <laughs> never drinking that again. You're never drinking that again. Hello and welcome to the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. We bring you interviews from people who have conquered the trickiest of health challenges using the Functional Diagnostic Nutrition philosophy and similar healing modalities. You're going to hear from experts who have been through the ringer with their health issues and yet managed to come out on the other side. If you're interested in natural healing and or functional medicine, congrats, you are in the right place. You can always visit us at functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com. But for now, here is today's episode. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. My name is Evan Transu, aka Detective Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. And we're talking to my colleague, Jen Sino. She is a fellow FDN practitioner, and you're going to hear today not only how she used the system and the principles that we teach to radically change her own health, but also how she used it to start a thriving business completely online. Jen is killing it right now. And this is someone that wasn't really killing it necessarily three years ago. She had started the gym with her partner in July of 2019. And she, again, lives in Canada, so you'll understand the relevance of this in just a second. They basically kind of bought the space from a previous gym that had been there that had a five-year lease, and so they took it over for a year. Now, July 2019... They start the gym. Anything uh, happen relatively soon after that? <laughs> yeah, like COVID and stuff. And if you're in the USA listening to this, you know how bad our restrictions were. Canada, some of the worst out there in terms of the um, lack of flexibility that you had with businesses and just being able to work. It's not a pretty place to be when it comes to COVID-19 and owning a business. So this really messed them up. They basically said, all right, screw it. We're just going to not do the gym anymore. They didn't re-sign the lease or anything like that. But now they're left with no income. Now, Jen immediately got to work and she eventually found the FDN program. She started doing some uh, stuff online before that and was having some success. But then she went through the FDN program. She only just graduated in March of this year, 2022. And this has helped absolutely blow up her business. She described getting access to the lab testing and the training for it as a total game changer for her. So I think you guys will really love this story. But again, it's not just about the business side. There's also a lot of stuff health-wise here. Her mom had multiple uh, sclerosis. Her dad had scleroderma. And I, I actually believe they probably do have these things, right? Because just because we're FDNs doesn't mean our parents are necessarily going to change every little thing, to be clear. And she has been diagnosed with Hashimoto's, and I think she's about to get lab results back that are going to prove she has gotten this really under control or to a much better place. But that'll all make more sense once we get to the interview itself. I'll give you a little bit about her professionally, and then we'll jump into it. She is a 
certified functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, as I mentioned, also a certified personal trainer, and she's the creator of Fit and Functional, a program dedicated to helping women find the underlying root cause of their health issues. She has been featured in publications such as Birdie and Sunday Riley, and has written for Forbes on the benefits of cycle syncing your business. Through her own journey of health and healing, Jen has been able to work one-on-one with over 300 women worldwide since 2020. <laughs> that is impressive. That is, uh, it might just be a record on this show. I don't know the exact numbers for everyone, but if I had to guess, I'm going to call that a record. I think you guys are really going to like this one. It's a perfect mix of inspiration for business and inspiration for health. Without further ado, let's get to the episode. All right. Hey there, Jen. Thanks so much for being here with us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I've heard some uh, very impressive and good things about what you're kind of doing and how you're making this work work for you, um, especially using social media and all this stuff. I think it's it's kind of crazy because there's so many people out there having great success with it. And yet I don't even think 10% of this has been tapped into yet with the potential uh, for so many other people out there to utilize social media for their businesses or their brands, whatever it might be. I mean, FDN or not, you could be selling cars, you could be selling a completely new product that's innovative to whatever market. And I still think social media is like the best thing ever that's not fully tapped into yet. So I'm sure we'll uh, we'll talk about some of that stuff later. Uh, but when we start off on this podcast, I typically like to use the same question to get it rolling. And the question I want to start with today is, when did your health symptoms start and what do they look like? Because I'm going to assume you're not in the space by accident. It probably was either you or someone else close to you that was dealing with some health symptoms that led you to where you're at today. Is, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a little bit of both actually. So, um, just in terms of my family, um, when I was quite young, I was about 10 years, I think I was about 10 years old. My mom was diagnosed with MS and then my dad shortly after a couple years after I was about 13, 14 was diagnosed with scleroderma, which is a, an autoimmune disease. Um, essentially his body produces too much collagen. It causes, you know, Raynaud's and, um, rheumatoid arthritis and all that fun stuff. Um, and so from a very young age, I feel like I was, I, I don't know if I was kind of wise beyond my years, but like I, I was taking notice to those things um, and notice to how it impacted my childhood and their health, obviously, but also financially, right? Um, basically having to go on disability when they were only in their you know late 30s, early 40s. And so from a very young age, I was very hyper aware, I guess, of health and more so of poor health and how that affects your whole your whole life and your whole dynamic. And then when I was 14, so I was in the first year of high school, um, I was dealing with a lot of period issues. So really heavy periods, really painful periods. And uh, I begged my mom and eventually she gave in and I went on birth control, um, you know, was never told any of the side effects or how to kind of take care of my body or what I could expect, um, which is obviously very, very common. You know, we're not taught anything about our bodies, whether it's male or female. And I stayed on birth control for seven years. I quit cold turkey when I was 21. I started losing my hair. I started breaking out everywhere. I had severe, severe digestive issues. You know, looking back, I never had really any diagnosis other than IBS, which is, in my opinion, I don't know what's wrong with you. You just have a sore stomach <laughs> kind of diagnosis. And, um, but looking back, you know, I, I probably had SIBO. Um, I was probably early stage, even IBD at that point, uh, just kind of putting things together. And, um, you know, I had high grade cervical dysplasia, I had ovarian cysts, like I had all these things kind of happening to me when I was, yeah, in my early twenties. And I just remember like, 
you know, I saw my parents go through the health struggles and I was just so determined to not have that story for me. And I just remember thinking, you know, if 22 feels like this, what is 32 going to feel like? What's 42 going to feel like? And that really honestly scared me. And so I really started kind of diving in more to the alternative route because I saw how, I guess, Western medicine didn't really help my parents get any better. And so, um, yeah, I started doing my own research, kind of used myself as a guinea pig for many, many years, um, was eventually diagnosed with uh, Hashimoto's and hy- hypothyroidism. So the whole lot was kind of thrown at me again throughout my 20s. And um, yeah, I ended up kind of how I got into this professionally, but I started getting more into fitness and all that kind of stuff. And I became a personal trainer when I was 24, um, got my nutrition certification. I do have a bachelor's of science too. So I was kind of always, you know, a a nerd in that way, a research nerd. Um, And uh, yeah, throughout the years of being a personal trainer, one thing led to another. It was less about the calories in calories out. I knew that was that was only the uh, surface of health and weight loss and um, ended up just yeah getting a couple more certifications and it just naturally progressed and then obviously went through FDN and here I am today many wow. years later. All right. Um, not that I want to hone in on this one point, but my God, I, I like that you already mentioned the calories in calories out thing because people it, it's still to this day like oversimplified by these fitness gurus on Instagram and stuff like that, right? At the extremes, they are absolutely correct. And in fact, the more extreme you go, the more correct you are. If someone eats zero calories a day, yes, you are guaranteed weight loss. And if someone eats 10,000 calories a day, unless they're Michael Phelps doing his swimming thing, then yes, most likely you're going to gain weight, right? But the more uh, normal you get with the calorie amount, like let's take 3,000 calories, right? Uh, I don't know if it's so simple as calories in, calories out, right? It's like, okay, well, what is this person eating in terms of the quality of the food, right? What macronutrients are involved in that? No, there is absolutely a difference. I've seen it in myself, right? So it's not, um, uh, anyway, I don't want to get actually into that, but I have to bring it up anytime it's brought up on this. I just appreciate us shining some light on some crazy narratives that are still spouted to this day. But anyway, uh, what's really interesting about this is I had, I, mean, I had no idea of your family background with the autoimmune conditions. And so in many ways, Jen, one of the main reasons that I'm an FDN myself and in this world is because of autoimmunity and just the other things that come with it. Because Dr. Tom O'Brien talks about in his book, The Autoimmune Fix, the autoimmune spectrum, right? And there's all these little symptoms that people like us typically deal with before ever meeting that diagnosis, or we might meet it along with the diagnosis, the skin issues, the headaches, the the gut problems, right? So, and the fatigue, you can see these issues kind of manifesting long before they happen. And it's rare um, in in men as well. So that's particularly interesting that your mom had MS while dad's dealing with uh, scleroderma. The only time I had heard about that is when they suspected my mom had scleroderma. So um, definitely, yeah, she had Graves disease. So, um, you know, and then, yeah, even you couldn't escape it for a little bit there, ended up getting the Hashimoto's Mm -hmm. thing. So I'm glad you caught it when you did, because I think that's really an astute observation to say in your early twenties, okay, yeah, if this is how I feel now, logic would tell me this isn't going to get better as I get older, right? It's probably going to get worse. Now you had mentioned something. Well, I guess actually I have one question before this. What is going through your head when you start to get, like, I know that you're thinking about, okay, long-term I might feel worse and worse, but 
did you think this was just normal or genetic at any point? Because you, I mean, you're seeing it in your parents. Now you're having symptoms yourself. Like, what is your perspective as a young person, like as to rationalizing why you have these symptoms? Yeah. So that's such a good question. And I was actually talking to a friend about this. Yes. Literally yesterday. Um, I do remember what, just in terms of my thyroid issues alone, my whole family pretty much has, you know, hypothyroidism. My dad has Hashimoto's. Like it was very expected, I suppose. Um, and so I feel like, you know, when I started again, becoming more aware, I, I remember having those thoughts like, Oh God, when is like the boogie monster going to catch me type thing. Right. And it was just expected. I think there was negatives and positives to that. I think the positive was that when I was diagnosed, I wasn't shocked. I was kind of Mm -hmm. expecting it. But then I also at that point of diagnosis understood that, I had basically full control over how it was going to play out in my life. And people to this day are still shocked when I say, yeah, I have Hashimoto's. I have hypothyroid. Well, you don't look like it. Right. And it's because I obviously am able to take the knowledge I have and and the education Mm -hmm. and the experience and put that into practice. And I'm actually getting my thyroid tested in two weeks. So I'm interested to see how that has played out over the last year or so. Um, but yeah, there was definitely a, a, a big component to my mindset, I guess, for a very long time that I placed all the emphasis on genetics. Like, you know, both my parents are sick. I have an unhealthy family. It was, it's bound to happen to me type thing. And obviously again, as I became more aware, um, over the last really decade or more, I I understood that, yes, maybe I was predisposed genetically a little bit to, you know, thyroid issues. And that's how my family presents symptoms. But I also understand that, you know, root cause, and of course, FDN talks about root cause all the time and metabolic chaos and stress. Mm -hmm. I believe that stress is the ultimate root cause, right? Whether that's emotional, mental, physical, biochemical, And it just presents differently, I feel like, based on genetics, right? Again, my family is a little bit more, I guess, genetically predisposed to those autoimmune, those thyroid issues, whereas someone else might be endometriosis or, you know, certain types of cancer or et cetera. So yeah, great question. I, I, it, it did start very mindset, genetic, this is how it's going to be. And then as I, I guess, guinea picked on myself, I understood more that, hey, I actually have a lot more power over <laughs> how I feel than what yeah. I always thought. And my mom's a nurse too. So I was, I grew up with a very kind of Western medicine, I guess, perspective <laughs> to everything. Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad you like the question because it's something I ask often because I'm just, I'm fascinated by what is going through people's heads, you know, but sometimes it's really tough. And for our, our, our audience that's listening, these people might really be in like the midst of this and they don't have a ton of hope. Like they're listening because they're, they're interested and maybe they're just starting to gain some hope, but I mean, they're not on the level we are yet, right? They're not going through these certifications and having all this knowledge where we've been able to see in ourselves real results that are amazing. And so I think it's important to relate to them and like, let them know, hey, yeah, we were scared at one point too. We were kind of nervous. We were thinking that this is genetics. I still have people call me to this day and it's kind of hilarious because they will call me about a condition that they believe that maybe the type of work we do can help with, right? And so I'm listing off or I'll, I'm asking them like, hey, do you have any other symptoms or diagnoses, whatever? And they'll go through some stuff and then they'll list one and they'll be like, well, yeah, but that one's genetic or whatever. Now they're cut. They already have the mindset that working with someone like us could help their one condition, but the other thing's genetic, right? And I say to them, I'm like, well, of course it's genetic. 
right? Unless we're talking about infectious disease or a high amount of like a specific toxin, like asbestos, right? Very few things aren't genetic in terms of the manifestation of disease. Like why does your mom get MS? Why doesn't she get all of the other 100 autoimmune diseases? Right. right? And we do know that one autoimmune disease is correlated with multiple, but you never get all a hundred or something that there is, right? You get a few of them maybe. So why, right? Well, of course there's a genetic component there, but it's the genes load the gun environment and stuff pulls the trigger. And uh, we're very good at figuring out those triggers for people as FDNs and just health practitioners. Now, one other thing I want to figure out before I learn how you kind of got this stuff under control is, and this is my probably the question I'm most consistent with because I think it's important so that we can hopefully help the audience make this shift, Jen. You had said in the beginning after answering my first question that you started seeking out alternative means. But you and I both know, even if we list that off like almost simply and not thinking about it nowadays, that probably wasn't a simple decision, especially now I know your mom was a nurse. You have this Western medicine background. It's not like all of a sudden one day you think, oh, yeah, you know what? Shit. Why didn't I think about that natural stuff before? I'm just going to go do that now. Usually something has to take place, which allows the paradigm to shift a little bit. So was it one specific thing? Was it like an aha moment? Was it multiple things? What led you to trying alternative and what did that mean to you? What was the first thing you tried? Yeah. Okay. So, um, when I was probably, I think I was about in first year university, I was about 18, 19 and I watched a documentary. It was one of those Netflix documentaries. Um, probably wouldn't recommend Netflix documentaries for your health (laughs) advice now, but it definitely opened. It kind of got my wheels turning at that time. You know, I mean, I'm 31 now. So that was what, 12, 13 years ago. Those things were pretty Mm -hmm. big back then. And I remember watching this documentary and um, the, the, the fellow was talking about uh, aspartame and how aspartame can essentially, I'm going to butcher this, but essentially um, cause neurological side effects that mimic MS. And that I remember was my very big light bulb moment. Um, because my mother, ever since I could remember, always had a Diet Coke in her hand. She used to drink about two liters of Diet Coke every single day. And I remember, I remember this so profoundly. I ran upstairs and there were probably curse words involved, but I was like, you are never <laughs> drinking that again. You're never drinking that again. And I remember her saying, well, you know, my neurologist, I've, I've brought that up to him before because I've heard it. And he said, that's not true. And I was like, who pays your neurologist? You do. <laughs> right. And not that all the doctors have bad intentions because absolutely not. But we have to understand, obviously, obviously at a young age, I understood that there was profit involved with these types of things. Right. And uh, financial backing, I guess. And that the Western medicine, again, the, the system doesn't really help people heal. It just kind of masks their symptoms and keeps them in this, this cycle of sick care, right? And it took me a good, I would say a good year of really annoying her and almost shaming her in a way <laughs> every time I saw her with that Diet Coke. And it was a full-blown addiction for her. And when she fully, finally stopped, I haven't seen her drink Diet Coke in years now, but when she finally stopped, she stopped walking with a cane. She no longer uses a cane. She used to take, I remember all through my childhood, like we couldn't really do anything. We couldn't leave the house around like 2 PM. Cause she was always having to nap every single day. She had to take a nap or else she couldn't make it through the day. She stopped napping. I literally don't remember the last time she napped either. And so all these kind of things started improving 
And I think it took her many, many years to kind of unravel, of course, like what she knew as a nurse and what she had devoted kind of her life and career to and all this learning and all this money. And it took her a few years to kind of come to terms with, okay, maybe, maybe we're onto something here. But that for sure was my very big moment, not so much in terms of supplementation. And obviously I didn't know anything about gut health or anything like that. But I made that direct correlation like, hey, my mom has been diagnosed with this. She drinks this all the time or she's eating this type of food. And now she's having these symptoms. And then it was the evidence collected too when those a lot of those symptoms actually went away where I was, again, it was, again, I just feel like on on your health journey in general, it's just a bunch of collecting evidences <laughs> that I'm yeah. on the right path. Yeah. And this is working, right? So I would say that was probably the biggest turning point for me. Wow. All right. That's so cool. I feel like, um, you know, I, I don't have a number, Jen, but it, it's a lot of people. I mean, in 170 something episodes, a lot of people have come on and actually said something similar where they watched a documentary, they watched something like that. And it sparked this. And then, of course, yeah, that doesn't solve everything. But then years later, they're here doing these amazing things and having, I mean, changed the entire course of their life, which I kind of find fascinating. I mean, that something so simple could start that. And that's why I love being able to do this, you know, because maybe this is a little more niche. You wouldn't find this uh, per se as randomly as you would like a Netflix documentary. So fair enough. But you could just stumble on something one day that completely changes your entire life just because someone happened to share it somewhere or it came up in your newsfeed. Um it's cool when that happens, but it's also unfair too. That's why we want this information out there to as many people as possible. And that's the blessing of social media. As many curses as it brings, one of the blessings is that we could share information with people that otherwise would have never gotten to hear these things. Um, so that's cool. I'm glad that you got your mom off that with your aspartame shaming type of yeah. <laughs> philosophy. I- I'm all for it. I, you know, I'm not for the shaming normally, but aspartame shaming, I'm, I'm on board with that. I'll do that with you. Yeah. And what's what's so crazy to me is because Western medicine does defend this a lot. You know, they'll be like, oh, well, there's no great studies showing the detriments of aspartame or sucralose, although they're backing off the aspartame one a little bit more now. But the point still remains, and you would think anyone could get behind this. Aspartame is not something that is found in the wild. Mm-hmm. Sucralose is not something that is found in the wild. So at the very least, would it not be wise or clear that we should be consuming whole foods instead of things that need these added ingredients inside of them? Like, is that a revolutionary thought or is it, <laughs> do you have to be Einstein to figure that out? I mean, to me, that's just common sense. So it, it is kind of crazy a little bit how much it gets defended. Um, and again, I see this in the fitness space too. The I, I'm not calling anyone out specifically because there's some amazing athletes out there, but there's probably no other industry that I worry about more right now than this, like the high level influencers in that space, because they'll say, well, the aspartame is not a big deal, whatever. And you and me see them eat seven meals a day. Mm -hmm. They're eating all kinds of crap, right? They're just doing the, if it fits your macros type of thing. And I mean, thank God that these people haven't gotten sick yet. I'm very happy for them. But then these are the same people that have the autoimmune diseases and the cancers at 40 years old. And people were like, oh my God, they were so into fitness. How did that happen? It's like, Mm -hmm. well, there's a little more to health than, than just that. Right. Um, so, so you watch this documentary, you're aspartame shaming your mom. I love this. What were the first big changes for you though? Because I want to kind of circle back to that. Like, did you make any like major dietary shifts yourself? I'm assuming you're not consuming aspartame at that point, but what were some of the big shifts that started moving things in the right direction? Yeah. I mean, you know, my journey had a lot of, I guess what you'd call failures. I call them lessons. A lot of things mm-hmm. didn't work and it was a lot of trial and error. I went vegan for a while thought I felt better, um, but I was just eating a lot less. I wasn't eating dense foods. And so it helped my digestive system because 
my body didn't have to really break down too much density. Right. And over time, you know, things weren't getting better. Things were actually getting worse. I was losing a lot of weight. And so I kind of quit that, um, when I was about 24, 25 and started, I guess, eating back to normally. And in this time, actually, I was more of the, on the fitness side, right. Having the pre-workout and the protein powders. And I wasn't really making connections at that time that, like you said, I mean, this, all these things are filled with junk, artificial junk, um, drives me crazy as well. Seeing, you know, fitness influencers on, on Instagram, they're like, have these greens or have these, um, this pre-workout, I'm going to dry scoop it. And then the next post is like, bloating is normal. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, it's like, wait, you know, wait, <laughs> you're literally promoting gut irritating foods or, or products. <laughs> and then the next one is like trying to normalize the side effects of it. Um, but you know what? I can't, I can't say it was just one thing I tried. I, I ended up in the hospital when I was 27 because I had the most severe stomach ache. I don't even want to call it a stomach ache because it was just so far beyond that. And the most severe stomach ache of my life. And I, they almost took out my appendix. Um, mm. And when they went into the CAT scan right before I went in for surgery, <laughs> the doctor came in and he said, oh, your appendix is fine. You're actually, he, his exact words were, you're full of fecal matter. So I think when I had that, I had breakfast that day, there was literally no room anymore because my digestion was so bad. And they gave me, I remember they gave me um, like medical grade laxatives and sent me on my way. And that is when I was like, okay, this is just like, I, you're giving me like petroleum uh, for my health and calling it a day and not actually helping me. And so from that point, again, that was about four years ago, I think I really started moving towards like strictly whole foods. I mean, I still will have desserts and stuff here and there, but my diet is not based around protein powders and shakes and using shakes as meals and all those things that a lot of people do right especially in i guess the earlier years when they're just so desperate for help and so i really kind of started taking more of that pro metabolic approach adding in a lot more red meat and high high quality foods more than anything i don't think my diet necessarily radically changed it was just the quality of food changed right yes. i switched to organic when i could um i ate i eat grass fed meat now right and instead of that conventional like what you get from costco for a really good price and so it kind of just evolved again i can't really say it was one thing or another because i tried so many things that didn't work but then i tried things that did work and again it was just kind of collecting that evidence over time, um, and doing a lot of things that don't really revolve around food even, right. Or even supplements, things like castor oil packs really started helping me. And I started doing, you know, cold showers and cold therapy. And that actually, I think that actually got rid or helped me get rid of my Raynaud's because I also had Raynaud's. Um, Ironically, right? Yeah. yeah people yeah. don't get, it's like counterintuitive, but. Right. Yeah. It's like that, that blood vessel workout. Right. And so I started <laughs> doing a lot of those kind of lifestyle practices, dry brushing, um, drinking filtered water. Like it was just slowly over time. Like it definitely didn't happen overnight and took me again, like 10 years probably of trial and trial and erroring things and learning things along the way and slowly switching out products and activities and 
yeah, it all accumulated, right? It's it's never just one thing. There's always a little yeah. bit of things that add up to the big things over yes, time. Yes, yes. I guess I should specify just in, because I know we have all types of listeners on here. If someone's not familiar, Raynods, uh, Raynodes, whatever you want to call it, um, it's characterized by these people usually have an extreme sensitivity to cold and stuff. The first time I had seen it was long story short, it was like a bunch of friends and myself hosting a retreat. And this girl came that I didn't know. And we were in the Adirondack mountains in New York in winter, January. And this poor girl has that. She has that condition. So we're out there going on an ice climbing thing, like a guided ice climbing thing. And she is in so much pain, like crying level. We had to stop the trip and like go back type of thing. And I was like, I don't know if you're either crazy or beyond tough that you would even sign up for a trip like this, knowing that you have this condition. Um, but that's why I was saying for those listening that maybe didn't get that, that it's counterintuitive because you would think, oh, well, you put someone in cold therapy with that. That's the worst thing they could do. But I've always wondered about that because I, I can't recommend that, of course. But it's interesting to me that you did it and you found that it kind of helped. Was it very hard to do that, though, in the beginning? Like, was there a lot of pain? Yeah. I mean, I used to, I used to be that girl too. Like I remember, I mean, I live in Canada, the the winters here are freezing and I would step outside and in 30 seconds, my toes were gray. My hands were gray. I would walk around in my house with heating on. And I have pictures of, again, in my mid twenties, like taking pictures and sending them to my mom of my toes. And like my second toe would just be completely white and the rest of them were red or like normal skin color. And so I used to be in so much pain and you know what? It was, I actually enjoyed, it was, it was more contrast uh, therapy that I would do. So I would do like 30 seconds cold, 30 seconds warm and just go back and forth so that, you know, the, the, I mean, the lymphatic system, but the blood vessels are contracting and relaxing and contracting. Right. And it's again, kind of that workout. And I don't remember being in pain more than I was in pain mentally, because I think it's more of a mental exercise more than anything. Yeah, the cold is awful, especially if you have rain nodes <laughs> and you're always cold. But I think I enjoyed the mental challenge of it more than anything. And I feel like it was really an exercise, an exercise of mental toughness, which is why I originally started it. I didn't start it for rain nodes. I started it more for anxiety. Um mm-hmm. And over time, I was realizing, like, actually, this isn't really affecting me as much as I as it used to. And now I don't get it at all anymore. Right. I'm like, I'm never cold anymore. So it's that has been actually I I don't talk about that a lot. But that was a a definitely a big, um, a big health win for me. Cool. Well, yeah, I'm glad that we got to talk about it. Because that one's it's one that I don't typically have much advice for because the the people that come to me with that, it's usually one of their only symptoms, believe it or not. And the changes that would need to be made for it, they're like, well, I'll just stop going out in the cold. I'm like, yeah, but guys, it's a bigger picture thing. Like there's more to it than just that. Um, so it's really interesting to hear the cold thing because I had always been kind of fascinated by that. I'm like, wouldn't this actually help someone if they were willing to do it long term? And I think the way that you described it with the contrast therapy, that's a smarter way to do this. I just I, I coincidentally did that for real for the first time just last weekend. And there's a place like an hour away from me because I want to get it in a facility that my buddy and I own here. They have a cold plunge in the same room as an infrared sauna. And it's like a float studio, but they just happen to have this room with that. So I'm like, I'll drive the hour for it. Like, screw it. Like, I want to go uh, try it out. And it is fun because normally I would sit in a cold plunge for like five to 10 minutes. And what's weird is like, you know, if you do it for that long, you actually lose like the numbness and the pain. Well, sorry, the numbness grows and you lose the pain. So you're just like, okay, like whatever. What I found is every single time I went in, it was actually a lot tougher because my hands would start hurting again within 30 seconds every single time. Because It was cold. It was in the 40s. Um, 
but what's nice is, yeah, you move into the sauna and you're good within a matter of 30 seconds. So I feel like it's a much safer way to approach something like that um, than it would be otherwise for like someone to just jump in there for 10 minutes with right. that condition. So yeah. um, that's great. All right. So, you know, you're trying the diet stuff. You even described that you were in this cycle of trial and error, which is something we talk about all the time on the show. Reed Davis talks about it. And it's when we, we have the knowledge now to know, uh, well, I shouldn't say that because it could be just Western medicine. You could be in the cycle of trial and error, just trying different pills, medications, even a surgery perhaps. But you can also have the cycle of trial and error in the world of natural health, right? We go to the supplement store and we try anything that the um, representative there recommends, or we're buying stuff off Amazon, or we're trying this diet or the next diet. So to become an FDN and to have graduated, obviously now you're taking the health to a much deeper level. I mean, that's a whole different thing. So how do we go from the Jen who is willing to experiment with the diet a little bit to Jen, who's now a successful FDN? And I believe that you have other certifications or qualifications at least as well. So um, when did you start accumulating those and, and why? Yeah. So I actually used to own a gym um, in Ontario and with COVID coming around that got shut down pretty quickly. So I had opened mm -hmm. it July, 2019, Obviously, it was shut down March 2020. Oh, <laughs> um, honestly, blessing in disguise for sure, because we were, I mean, even in those, I don't know, what is that, eight, nine months, we were running ourselves into the ground, probably making my health a lot worse. And um, it was just solely, again, focused on kind of that fitness aspect of things. And um, yeah, March 2020 rolled around. My partner, he ran the gym with me. So all of a sudden, we both didn't have jobs. And I don't know how much you guys have heard of Canada, but the Lockdowns seem to be like a decade long. Um, so we, we even made, more extreme than the U S if you guys can believe it <laughs> uh, way more extreme. Um, and luckily we had only signed a lease for a year. And so our lease was up July, 2020. Seriously. Thank you universe. Um, <laughs> yeah. and we both had obviously no income, but I had switched basically to online. Of course it was, you know, two weeks to flatten the curve. So I'm like, okay, I can teach these things on zoom for two weeks, five years later. Um, <laughs> and I kind of rallied the troops and we were doing that. And then obviously it wasn't two weeks. And by the time, you know, May, June rolled around, we were like, okay, we're not obviously resigning this lease. So we were able to break out of it. And, um, I basically transitioned online. So I had kind of gone online in December of 2019. So a few months prior, I was kind of dabbling in the online space and I was doing again, kind of just like a 12 week fitness program. And, um, ironically, I had this client, she was in her fifties, she was on HRT and I was very much, again, not educated. I didn't have any certifications beyond my basic nutrition and, and personal training. And so we were doing, you know, the macros and the, the exercising, the lifting, and her weight just would not budge. And I remember thinking, okay, she's on estrogen therapy, you know, maybe there's something else going on here. And I, I'm grateful that I, I was able to, you know, not just stick to the calories in calories out thing that is like pushed down your throat in PT school. Um, and, and I, I started researching more into hormones. And so then that kind of, you know, sparked interest more in the hormone side. And then, you know, I stumbled upon research on birth control and then more light bulbs started going off with my own journey. Right. So, um, that summer, uh, after I had shut down the gym, I had taken a advanced, um, basically holistic hormone certification through ITN. 
And um, I started, I pivoted from my fitness program. That was just a little baby at that time because I was running my gym. I pivoted more toward, you know, uh, period health and menstrual health and hormone health and that kind of stuff. And that is where my original program was born. Um, and I, I worked with women on their hormones for... Uh, I, I guess a year and a half, I ran that program. And then I came to FDN. Um, I can't remember. Oh, one of my friends, Nicole, Nicole Ritter. She, she's an FDN. Oh, nice. And yeah, she, she was like, yeah, you, you should totally do this. I remember talking to her while she was doing her certification. Mm-hmm. And it never really piqued my interest, to be honest. I didn't. It's crazy to say out loud, but I didn't see the value in lab testing. I think because <laughs> I had been let down with, oh, your labs are normal for the last 10 years of your life. Everything's sure. fine, right? So I was like, why would I do that? Um, and then I, I started seeing other people in the space who were FDNs. And I was like, okay, maybe there's something here. So that is actually when I, I joined FDN. Um, I went through it super, super quick because I was just obsessed. I became obsessed with that, all the information that you guys teach. And uh, I only finished FDN in March. So it's only been a couple months, which is pretty crazy. And so that's when yeah. I yeah, incorporated the functional lab testing. I kind of pivoted away from just hormone health, more to like metabolic health. And here I am. Hey there, folks. It is Detective Ev popping in here really quick. I got two things for you. One is stay tuned for the next episode because I should have a link for you guys, I believe. But Reed and myself, uh, Reed Davis is the founder of FDN, if you don't know. We will be down at the Biohacking Congress in Miami. It is a long weekend. It is October... 22nd and 23rd, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, They're long days. It's like 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., but we will be there. Reed will be speaking. I'm sure he'll be on a panel or two as well. I'll be hanging out at the booth talking to you guys and just you know, chatting about FDN and health. So come check us out. That'll be in Miami, Florida. I will give more details on that um, pretty soon. But outside of that, I wanted to say, if you are listening to this episode and thinking about maybe becoming an FDN, because clearly it had benefit in my life, that's why I'm here. And Jen, it had tremendous benefit in hers, as is obvious by the explosion of her business. Well, you can actually try the course now completely for free. You go to fdntraining.com slash try FDN, and you can try the course, no credit card required. My girlfriend, Maddie actually just signed up for the course herself, and one of the first things she did was try the course just to make sure it was right for her, and then here we are. She'll be on the podcast one day. So that's fdntraining.com slash tryfdn to try the course completely for free. All right, now back to today's episode. Very cool. Awesome. I love this story. Yeah, you don't mess around. Like, I feel like you just... This story that you just told even in this last answer sounds like a 10-year thing, and it's like, oh my God, we're talking about like two and a half years, basically. Right. not even really. And you're getting all this done with the, with the gym and all this stuff. So uh, that's impressive. And thank God, a one-year lease on a business. That's in, that's insane. Yeah. Well, we had the prior owner of that gym. So my partner worked there as a trainer and he was about to shut it down because it was just a money pit. He, was, he had other business ventures that he was focusing on. And uh, Chris got word that he was planning on shutting it down, which would mean Chris would be out of a job. And so he kind of approached the owner and said, like, would you be open to us just taking over? And so it was a five-year lease, but there was only a year left of that lease. That makes, okay, there we go. So (laughs) we took over the lease. We, you know, transferred the business, incorporated all that kind of stuff, rebranded, changed everything. But we were just in that original lease. So, yes, thank you. Okay. I was like, I don't know how they do it in Canada, but I'm not getting a year lease for a business down here very easily. That, that'd be pretty yeah. insane. Um, 
Very cool. Okay, so when you finally did see the value in FDN and the lab testing and stuff, and to your point, that's totally fair because if the only experience you have with lab testing is being let down countless times, that's fair enough. We are using the technology in a unique way, right? We're interpreting it in a unique way. So um, you obviously liked it. You said you flew right through it. So what were some of the things that most excited you about it? Like, what did you like most about the FDN course? Um, honestly, everything. I loved everything about it. And I'm not even just saying that because we're on an FTN podcast right now. But, you know, I loved the hormone stuff. Obviously, I had a vested interest in hormones to begin with. Um, I was I was super interested in being able to test women's hormones and not just kind of guess off of symptoms, which obviously yes. has helped a lot. And uh, I mean, the gut stuff was super valuable for me alone, because my although, you know, my my health journey kind of started with birth control, it was the digestive issues that really, really negative impacted my negatively impacted my life for so many years. And um, I was just super drawn into all these things about gut health, because again, you know, no doctors ever told me any of this, I didn't know that it was even a potential, like any potential root causes it starting in the gut. Um, And then all the other things are just kind of like fun bonuses, like learning about the liver and bile acids and, you know, toxins and things like that. So honestly, there was just, there was so much value in it. And I think it was such a good foundational course um, in terms of, of lab testing. And since then, you know, I've done like HTMA and, and, and some other, um, I guess, certifications that way. But it was just, it was really the missing piece of the puzzle, not only for me and my business, because my business completely, you know, blew up um, after I was able to offer these labs. But it was a game changer, obviously, for my clients too, right? It's very validating for a client to, first of all, not be told, you know, it's all in your head or your labs are normal. Yes. Um, I've never, I, I tell people all the time, I've never seen a normal lab ever, right? <laughs> you know, we've had hundreds of women come through our program in, in the last I don't know, five, six months. And uh, I've never had a normal lab. Have I had cleaner labs than others? Yes. But there's always something we can find, right? If you're coming to me with symptoms, your labs are not normal. I'll tell you that. So it was, again, not only great for my business, but really, really validating for the women I work with to finally have answers. And I think it helps I think it helps the client stay the course as well, right? I could teach them the lifestyle stuff and the diet, and I still do that, right? It's still part of my program. But when you don't have that clear data right in front of your face saying, this is actually what's going on, it's it's easy to get discouraged when you don't get kind of those overnight results that everyone wants, yeah. right? Those microwave results. And so again, if you're, you know, hey, parasites have come up or, you know, you're, you're, pancreas isn't secreting digestive enzymes and that's why you're having so much trouble digesting your food or mm-hmm. your your estrogen is through the roof right i think it gives that client a lot more trust in the process and uh, a, a lot of a, a lot clearer pathway of how to actually go to kind of rebalance as well yeah especially with that last point um my acupuncturist, we always have these, he's a very respectful guy, but we always have like these healthy debates. Like we're not afraid to challenge each other with anything. And so I'm telling him about the labs a couple of years ago that I do and, or utilize rather. And he said, well, F, you know, and this is an older guy, like he's been doing this for a while and he gets great results. He said, 
don't you think those labs can kind of hurt people? And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, what if something comes back on their labs that's like not so great and now it's in their head that they have that? And what I said to him is I said, I am so glad that you have never been sick enough that that would be your experience with the labs because our clients and the people that go through the FDN course, it is the exact opposite. It is a validation, right? Like like you said, the reason that they're sticking the course is because they probably one feel validated, like, wow, there actually is something here when everyone else has told me that there's not. So yes, I think if you started, I think to his point, if I ran labs on all 330 million people in America, including the few that are not symptomatic, and then told them something that was wrong with them, well, yes, that might get into their head, especially if they thought that they were fine before that. But when we're talking about someone that for five, 10, sometimes 20 or 30 years, depending on who's coming through the course, has dealt with chronic symptoms and has been seeking answers and can't find it. No, no, no. Finding the stuff on the labs is one of the best things that could ever happen to you. I was in, um, I was 21 when I went through the course and I was on the exhaustive phase of HPA axis dysfunction. No, I wasn't thrilled about that. I was, that's not something you call your mom and brag about, right? <laughs> but at the same time, after that initial hit, which only lasted 30 minutes, I said, well, wait a second. This is something, duh, I'm going through the course. This is something to work on. I'm like, well, I don't need to be worried about this. There's something that I can do. And of course I was able to get out of that. And um, was this able to, because I know that you kind of mentioned it a, a little bit, but where are you at symptom wise now, especially after going through FDN? Because if you went through it that fast and you graduated in March, I'm assuming you would have joined at the time that they, they were giving out multiple lab tests now, right? Like with the tuition. Yeah. So I only joined, okay. I joined Black Friday in November. So basically I started the oh, beginning of December. I think I went through it through practicals exams in about three and a half months. Wait, and Nicole Ritter, did we talk before on the phone? Mm, oh, maybe. I don't remember. Was I your salesperson? I think you might have been. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm like, wait a second. And Nicole Ritter, I'm like, that's funny. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Um, all right. Anyway, the audience is like, we don't care. Like, yeah. just tell us something else about health. Um, that's very interesting, though. But yeah, so how did this help your own health? Like, what did you find on the labs, I guess? I'm trying to get into the nitty gritty. Like, did you find something that was maybe like, whoa, I've never have seen this before. I wasn't expecting this. Yeah. I mean, I I found actually quite a few things. And it's it, when you said, you know, your shock lasted 30 minutes. I, I'd say mine lasted about three days and then I got over it. And I see this happen <laughs> with clients, too, just going back to that point. Um, and was it your acupuncturist you said? Yes. Yeah. Um, so to, to that point too, I think like the delivery is everything. (laughs) And this is something that comes with time as a practitioner, right? Kind of softening the news, even like, you don't have to say like, oh, your digestion is like un, un, unhealable basically. Right. (laughs) You obviously don't, you, you don't say that to a client, right? It's like a, it's also a skill of how to gently break the news, yes, but yeah. also give them the hope, right? And the evidence and the validation. And some people get really overwhelmed. I still have clients that are like, oh my goodness, like, my, am I dying? I'm like, no. And like, they, they freak out and I have to kind of bring them back. Like, you wouldn't be in this program if you felt amazing. You know what I mean? Like this is, it's not a shock that things have come back to imbalanced, right? And I understand it. Yeah. It feels intimidating, but that's why I'm here. That's why you're in this program, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I had, a, I had my anti-gliadin was through the roof. So I'm off gluten, which obviously has, you know, I'm assuming helps, fingers crossed, my Hashimoto's and my thyroid. Um, I had really low bacteria in my gut as well. So probably from, you know, lots of antibiotics. I was that kid that when my brothers were on antibiotics and you know, the banana, I think it's 
amoxicillin. Tastes like banana. I don't know if it does in the U.S. I used to, I used to literally. It's kind of like a pinkish bubblegum thing. Yeah, here, yeah, and I used to dip my finger in it <laughs> and eat my brother's antibiotics, which oh. makes me cringe. <laughs> So oh I'm like, God. oh, I wonder why I had gut issues for so long. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I had hormone imbalances and I, I had, you know, really high bile acids. And But again, it was okay. Now I understand why my thyroid's probably not converting very well, right? Or, you know, why my gut has been such a mess for so long. And it's been, it's been a journey for myself too, right? As I'm kind of working to rebalance myself. I'm learning more things and I use myself as a guinea pig all the time too, right? If if I want to trial something, then I'll trial it and see how it goes. And then maybe I recommend it to a client, right? So it's been a really great healing journey for myself, but also again, um, taking my own, being able to take my own experiences and pass kind of that, that knowledge on and expedite the process for a lot of our clients, which is, yeah. is why they come to us too. Well, that's crazy. I'm so, maybe it's, it might honestly be a bigger push in the functional space in the US now, but like the gluten thing is so standard that I almost just assumed that you were off of it already. So to go through the course and then see the high anti, um, anti-gliadin, that's actually a really good thing. That's such an easy healing opportunity. Um, and I'm excited for you. I hope your labs come back great because that I've seen that change alone be mm-hmm. the difference. So I'm not making a claim. So this is just what I've seen guys. For some people, it has been the difference between them having a diagnosis of Hashimoto's and eating like Synthroid or something and not. I've seen that right. make or break difference just from the gluten thing. They don't even do the other lifestyle stuff. So you get someone like you who then adds that on. Um, I'm, I'm excited. I think that's going to be great yeah. for you. So I wanted to spend the last like eight minutes or so just talking about like what you're doing now and, and how you help people. And of course, you mentioned you have these programs. So who is kind of your target client though. And I don't mean just like from a marketing perspective. I mean, in the sense of if I'm listening and I'm like, wow, you know, I I like Jen, I think I actually would be interested in working with her. Um, I think it's also important for you to have an opportunity to say who your ideal client is. So what does that person look like? Yeah. So I mainly work with women. Um, I would say, you know, probably between 25 and 35, I have older, I have younger. It's actually kind of crazy too, because when I was 20, 21, I probably wouldn't have invested, you know, a couple thousand dollars in my healing at that point. And so it's really remarkable when I have these really young women coming in and, you know, having that awareness that something needs to change right before it gets further and further. So I do have a handful of clients and it's actually quite sad too, because I'm like, wow, people, women in my case are getting worse and worse, younger and younger, right? Um, Which is quite, quite shocking. Some of the things that come back for such young women, right? But again, it's all good things in the end. So I would say between 25 and 35, 40, um, the majority of the gals are, you know, a lot of period problems, a lot of digestive issues, things like acne and stuff come up. I've seen a lot of hair loss lately. That's a, that's a big one, low energy, right? Um, Pretty much, I mean, we have we have women with all different types of symptoms again, and I just try and educate them that you know the root causes are pretty much always the same, right? When we really nail into it, it's just presenting differently in different women. So some women, sure. some women might have acne, and others might have bloating, right? And we just kind of have to find that um, that centerpiece where where we can look for those healing opportunities, like you said. So that's kind of my ideal, I guess, target market or target client, or that's who I'm attracted to or who's attracted to me, I guess. Um, And probably, you know, a lot of women who, a lot of women who deal with thyroid issues, but on my social media, I'm very 
open and I don't really put on much of a like a sales hat on, I kind of use it as like my platform for not only, you know, documenting my journey and my my lifestyle, I guess, but also celebrating other women and, you know, all those types of things. And so I think I attract a lot of women who are actually a lot like me, right? Because I guess they feel, they probably feel a little bit of that relatability, which again, like you said at the beginning, makes us who we are as FDNs, right? Most of us aren't coming into this because we're like spick and span healthiest person on the planet, right? Most most of us are coming in because either a family member or a close friend or ourselves have gone through the things that our clients are going through right now. So yeah, that's, um, that's kind of wrapped up who who's in my program. <laughs> sure. On a side note, it's an interesting observation that you say you're seeing them get sicker and sicker, younger and younger, because it seems like what you described in the beginning, you and I are kind of similar in a tendency to think into the future, right? Like you saw, okay, this I'm 20 something now, what's going to happen at 30, 40, 50, which you would think would not be that profound of a thought, but like, that's not, I don't think that's the way most people's brains are wired because mm-hmm. it actually doesn't really make sense from an evolutionary perspective to be thinking 30 years down the road. Like you need to think about what protects you right now, right? There, there's no currency. There's no um, US dollar or Canadian dollar. Like you don't have to think about savings 30 years later. You have to think about your resources in the immediate moment. And my point is that's what scared me at 18, Jen, when I started, um, I mean, I was six and five years old, but I got a, my worst diagnosis at 18, with, which I told was incur, uh, incurable, right? I'm like, yeah, that's probably not true. So I'm going to go try other things. And what I saw is, was I had this like, um, I was sitting on the pity potty for a while. I'm like, what was me? Like, why can't I go have fun with my friends? I want to stay out late. I want to go to like college and go to parties and stuff. And I really couldn't do that. And here's the thing, though. I started realizing as I'm researching more and more, I said, oh, no, 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 this isn't just me. I'm just one of maybe the slightly more unlucky ones that got sick first. This is going to happen to all of them. And sure enough, you fast forward nine years later, about to turn 27. And the main people that I have calling me are all my friends who went to college who now have autoimmune diagnoses or they gained 50 pounds out of nowhere, severe skin issues, mental health is just trashed and they don't know why, right? And it's a sad thing to be right about prediction wise, but I'm not trying to be pessimistic to the audience's um, ears. What I'm trying to share is like, there's plenty of people to help out there. And we need more and more people out there sharing these messages on social or on podcasts or whatever it is, and letting people know that there's alternative means. And so you mentioned your social media, where can people uh, find you if they want to follow you or consider working with you? Yeah, so I'm mainly on Instagram. So my Instagram is life as Jen, Jen with two N's. Um, and then in my bio, you can find my Facebook group. So um, my Facebook group has, I don't know, two and a half thousand, maybe women in there. Nice. And I'm not super active. I'll do like free workshops and stuff every now and again, free challenges. Um, but, uh, it's really great. Cause a lot of the women can, you know, you can post anonymously and stuff like that. And so a lot of the women will post about their own experiences or asking for kind of advice or asking for, you know, uh, sim- I guess, similar experiences that other women have gone through. So it's a really nice kind of, I guess, safe space, uh, to, to share about, you know, coming off of birth control or, um, avoiding pregnancy or retrieving pregnancy or gut issues. And, you know, some women are posting product labels saying, can someone like do a once over and tell me if this is like low tox or (laughs) if I should avoid it. Right. So, um, those are kind of my two main, I guess, channels that I congregate in. Uh, one's a little bit more community based. And then of course on Instagram is where I do a lot of education. So I tell people all the time, you could change your life with my Instagram because it is all straight up (laughs) 
knowledge. I, I do a selfie now and like, <laughs> I get like a quarter of the likes. I'm like, okay, no one cares about me. They just want to learn. Um, so yeah, definitely. If you're interested in learning all about kind of women's health, that is, that's the place to find me. That gives me hope for humanity because normally, let's be, especially for a woman, let's be honest, it's the exact opposite. Yeah. You try to post something useful, that gets nothing, and then they post themselves and <laughs> everything, right? So you have the right people following you yeah. if it's the opposite, I think. This is, gives me hope. So um, that's great. We'll put all this in the um, links for everyone to find out. Jen, I want to end with our signature question on the Health Detective podcast. Nothing crazy here, but it's just cool to hear the different perspectives. And the final question for today is, if I could give Jen, in this case, a magic wand and you could wave it and get every single person in this world to do one thing for their health, whether that's literally go do one thing or maybe stop doing one thing. What is the one thing that you would get them to do? Oh, there's so many. Um, I would say, I would say get 10 minutes of sunlight every single morning. It'll change your day and then it'll change your life. All right, guys, that'll do it for today's episode with Jen Sino. I hope you guys liked this one. And I'm so looking forward to having her back on eventually because I don't know about you, but it was such a cliffhanger to me not knowing whether or not her lab tests are going to come back favorable when she gets this thyroid test back. I totally think it will because, man, it was just interesting to me that she hadn't even removed gluten yet. I And it just goes to show, you know, this space, we end up in a bubble because sometimes we think everyone's like doing all the stuff that we know is FDNs. And the truth of the matter is that's just not the reality. There are plenty of people that have so many areas that they can improve upon. And that's actually a great thing. It can be overwhelming if you think about it from a societal perspective. And it's like, holy crap, so many people are sick. There's so many things to do. But then there's the other side of that coin where it's like, all right, well, we have a lot of answers for people. We have a lot of things for them to try that they've never even considered. We probably have the tools necessary for them to radically change their health or perhaps even heal themselves at the best case scenario, which is what so many people who have come on this podcast have been able to do. So I'm looking forward to a subsequent episode with Jen down the line, and I will remember to ask her that question when we do that episode for sure. Um, <laughs> so any of the long-term listeners will probably appreciate that. But anyway, that is all for today. I'm looking forward to talking to you guys again soon. Until then, though, take care. Thanks. Thanks.